Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor for Variety. Today, my guest is Carlos Watson, co-founder and CEO of Aussie Media. Watson is an entrepreneur and one-time McKinsey & Company analyst turned journalist turned media CEO. In 2013, he set out to launch a digital magazine with an emphasis on deep thinkers and cool ideas, a concept he envisioned as focusing on the new and the next. But that was just the beginning for the company that was named for the famed poem Ozymandias by Percy Bysshe Shelley. San Francisco-based Aussie Media now has about 75 full-time employees and a roster of TV series, podcasts, and live events. Carlos Watson, founder and CEO of digital media company Aussie Media. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you stopping by, as it were. It's totally my pleasure, and I'm smiling seeing the sun shine through uh, your New York uh, apartment. We need a little sunshine in our lives these days, so it's fun to be with someone sunny. It's that one, it's that just that glorious time of like early fall in New York when it's crisp and nice. It's good, even in these times. I feel like we're inching out. Carlos, tell us about Aussie Media. What, what is the prism? What is the editorial prism for the content that you produce across digital and television? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I, I, I think of us as a bold and colorful storyteller. And over time, um, uh, how we've expressed that has changed. As you said, when we first started, we essentially sent the award online magazine. We were this wonderful, colorful, creative online magazine that someone once described you'll love this, as the love child of Vice and The Economist. So that's how someone once described it. And then we began going on this wonderful journey. And I think people loved our very forward-looking articles because the prism through which we see the world is that this is such an interesting moment, even before 2020, and that we thought it was critical to help people not just look at today, but look at tomorrow. And so Aussie's all about the new and the next. We want to be the kind of place that introduces you to rising stars and new trends and big ideas. And whether that's a delicious new podcast like this one or a wonderful place to travel to when things get healthy or just an interesting young comedian like Trevor Noah before he was on The Daily Show or a bartender uh, before she was AOC or a California kid before he was the Yankees new star, Aaron Judge, that Ozzy's all about helping people be a little smarter a little sooner and doing it in a really flavorful way. And to your point, We started digitally, but now we live across TV. We've got about a dozen TV shows, either on the air or in active development. Podcasts, we've had kind of four podcasts call it go in and out of the top 100 and several more on the way. And then we've got, in healthier times, this amazing set of music and ideas festivals that we call Aussie Fest. And so I've been to one. I saw you had Hillary Clinton at one in Central Park. It It was quite the event. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Did you have a good time? I did. I did. It was a little crowded. That was my one note was that it was a little crowded, but I guess that's a better than the alternate alternative problem. (laughs) Not enough people. Well, I am proud to say that we've sold out every year. And um, uh, this year we would have had over 100,000 people um, from 40 plus countries. And so it won't happen this year, but it will happen next year. And in fact, um, uh, I'll have some news for you soon about the expansion of that. Uh, a couple of cities have asked us to help them, you know, bring back in new times next year. Wow. Does it, as an entrepreneur, does it kill you to see that, you know, like you have a specific number. It sounds like you really had either sold tickets or you had, you know, space 
Does it kill you to see that opportunity go away for 2020? You know, it did. It, you know, um, you know, I'm my mother's son, though, so I'm strong <laughs> because of her. You know, I can hear my grandmother now uh, saying, "Keep on keeping on." But yeah, I I love I love our events, Cynthia, and I love when people meet each other through our events, and I love when they think they're coming for Hillary Clinton, but then they discover Salman Rushdie, and then they end up hearing a Rod, and then they stumble into some Carl Rove over here. And I love all that kind of serendipity that happens when you're in a really vibrant space. And, um, and so I miss it and I miss people probably like you do. And uh, while I love all the other things we're doing, I will be happy next year when, you know, when Ozzy Fest is back and, mm -hmm. and better than ever. So would you say that the digital brand is kind of the, the Aussie, the digital hub of Aussie media is kind of the, the core of it. And, that and then sort of every you know the television shows and the events radiate out from that is aussie media a destination online or are you doing more of a syndication approach with your content you know what a wonderful question i will tell you that when we first started it was that way in which um aussie the digital offering whether you came to aussie.com whether you opened up our app whether you followed us on facebook or instagram or twitter or whether you got our newsletters like that digital Aussie was what we were doing. And originally when we would do TV shows, first for PBS and for BBC, then for Amazon, Hulu and others, and when we would do podcasts or festivals, those were almost kind of like side projects that did, you know what I mean? They were kind of like extracurriculars. And then we woke up last year and we realized, no, 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 you, a 100,000 person festival can't be a side project. Like that's a real business, you know what I mean? Full-time job, yeah. You know, and producing TV shows for Oprah and Hulu and Amazon and AD Live. That's not like a side project. Like that's in prime time. Those are like 16 episodes. You know what I mean? Like that's a real deal. You know, and so and so no, I would tell you now that 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 we have gone from kind of being this kind of um um one-legged uh stool to this kind of like amazing four-legged, you know, house. And you know, we uh um, each of those really matter and they feed each other. You know what I mean? They're things mm -hmm. that start off as a really well-reported series from our reporters that may turn into a podcast and then into a TV show. And then you may see that person at Aussie Fest. Mm -hmm. And the TV shows that you've done have been, uh, you know, like nonfiction kind of topical about issues and personalities. Is that right? You know, mostly unscripted. You know, that's actually one of the fun things. So yes, we started unscripted and they started as doc series. They started as talk shows. They started as town halls. And then um, just last week, we announced that we sold our first two scripted shows, uh, which we're super excited about. And I think they're going to be important. Um, and, um, and that's a very different skill set that you're going to need to bring to the table. Very different skill set, but, but, but very much in Aussie's keeping. You know, Aussie's the kind of folks who on one hand are doing lifetime's coolest new dating show which will be called science of dating and it'll be coming out next year and we're almost done casting for it and um and, and on the other hand we've got the history channel's biggest new mega doc this fall <laughs> but but i do sublime to the ridiculous right you know, but why not why not you know i feel like we're in this moment where as you and i were talking about before like kind of the boundaries are gone in lots of ways you know what i mean and mm -hmm. and Lots of stuff happens at home from the personal to the professional, from the, you know, um, the surprising to the, uh, to sometimes the kind of core.
you have, you know, obviously grown in a, in a, in a very short time. You have also attracted some very prominent investors in Emerson Collective, in Mark Lazary. Um, what do you think it is about Ozzy? What was the pitch, the elevator pitch that you gave them that attracted that kind of, that kind of high powered investment that I'm sure has been a real boost for you? Well, well, since both of them are NBA owners, I'd like to say it was my basketball skills. But, um, <laughs> it was your jump shot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, uh, uh, but given that that, 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 that would be uh, fake news, as they say, uh, uh, um, uh, that wasn't the case. I mean, I think part of it is I think both of them are big-minded, uh, bold thinkers. And I think they liked Ozzy's desire to not just be one more media entity focusing on today, but, but that desire to bring people tomorrow. I think they both believed in that. And I think one of the things, Cynthia, that I said to both of them is I said, people are going to look at this and they're going to say Ozzy is for millennials and Gen Z. And that that's who Ozzy's for. But the truth of the matter is, I believe what my mom always believed, which is that Ozzy's a state of mind. And whether you are nine or 90, if you are about what's new and next, if you're curious, if you're the kind of person who occasionally or often says why not, and not just why, uh, when presented with something different. Um, in fact, if different is not something to get past, but instead something to excite you, when I say, hey, let's try this restaurant, it's a little different, let's meet this person's a little bit different, let's travel here. Like if you're the kind of person where different is actually, you know, draws you to that, then, then I, I think that's what, um, that's what both Mark Lazary, uh, who's obviously been a legendary investor at Avenue Capital, and I think that's what Lorraine Powell Jobs, who has been uh, an incredibly impressive uh, investor and game changer at Emerson Collective. Uh, I think that's what both of them, I hope, I think that's what they believed in when they, when they saw Ozzy. Can a company, especially a startup company, can you make money? Can you make enough money for a small startup company to survive those crucial first years on digital native content? If you don't have a TV show, if you don't have a couple shows in cable and a couple shows for streaming, but you're just doing digital na native content, can you survive? If you want to do something of, of, the, qual you know, of the quality that you have delivered with Aussie Media. Look, can you win in the NFL as a quarterback who can only throw and can't run and can't improvise and can't lead? Maybe if you have the right team, but are you more likely to make magic happen if you've got a little Russell Wilson in you and uh, you can throw deep and you can throw short and you can tuck it and run and you can inspire your team and you can do it all? Yeah, and I think that, you know, my co-founder Samir was brilliant to early on to encourage us. It wasn't even a business call, if I'm honest. More than that, Cynthia, he basically said, look, we've got to thrill our audience and make it easy for them to enjoy Ozzy any way they want. So if they want to listen to Ozzy, let's allow them to listen. They want to watch Ozzy, let's allow them to watch. If they want to read Ozzy, it's great. They want to hang out with Ozzy at an event. And so it started there, but I think what really allowed us to accelerate it was the realization that we could invest once, meaning have our brilliant reporters really report the most forward-looking and interesting stories, but then try and monetize it four times, right? And that's way better than having to pay four times for four times, do once and try and monetize it four times. So I think we've been, we, we did it because we wanted to thrill our audience and we wanted to make them happy. And we knew that just like there are different learning styles or people who 
do better listening. That's how they learn people who take notes, people who read. And so we did it because of that. I think being multi-platform has been a terrific, terrific business decision for us and has allowed us to, in a year in which most people have slid backwards, we actually have grown our revenues and become a healthier, stronger company. When you take Ozzy into a TV, into a, a television context where you're like you're producing shows that are licensed for others, how much control are you able to retain? Do you actually handle the physical production, or do you find yourself in the in that format that you might necessarily have to be more collaborative and work with other outside partners? Yeah, you know, it, it's a great question. It's really been important to us to continue to own our intellectual property, and so Ozzy has. Is, is offered not only the ideas, um, but in many cases um, uh, has done the production, uh, whether it's been uh, for the show that we just won an Emmy for this week on, on OWN, whether it's been for our History Channel doc that debuts next month, whether it's been um, for our talk show, um, uh, or even uh, whether some of our upcoming new scripted programs. So Ozzy is, is not only an ideator, but an active uh, uh, producer and developer of our programs and even a financier of it. Um, um, but needless to say, you've got to collaborate with your partners and, and whether our partners have been Hulu or Amazon or BBC or PBS or YouTube or Aity or Lifetime or, or whomever, we, we always are really actively collaborating with how to make you know, the best show possible and, and, and make it as efficiently as, as we can. Um, as you grew, how did you, what were the tools, what were the best tools that you used to learn who was watching? And I'm sure you went into it with some assumptions about who might be attracted to this content. And I'm also guessing that there were things that you learned along the way that were really interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, I think as an ex-McKinsey consultant, needless to say, I like uh, not only my gut, but I like data a lot. And so, you know, we obviously have taken advantage of a lot of the tools to understand uh, a lot of the classic digital tools to understand who's watching, uh, who's listening, who's reading, and all of those have been reasonably good. And you can't always easily dedupe those, or you can't always easily cross-reference those as well as, as you want. But there probably have been um, two other things I would say, um, uh, Cynthia, that have been really helpful. Uh, number one, I'm a deep believer in old-fashioned surveys and so we actually do really in-depth surveys and i remember early on the people when we were doing surveys they were like only do four or five questions per survey and make it so no one ever has to go past the first page and if you do that and you're lucky you'll get 100 responses and needless to say we did 35 questions across six pages but we got 1500 responses and people really leaned it and sometimes critically but but it was good and then the other thing we do is every week we talk to about a dozen of our viewers, of our listeners, of our readers. And so we get on the phone with folks in, you know, Auburn, California, or Charlotte, North Carolina, or Fort Lauderdale, Florida, or Newark, New Jersey, or Houston, Texas, or for that matter, Delhi, India, or Johannesburg, and, and ask a lot of questions because I think while the data is good, the surveys get you even to a different level. And while the surveys are good, actually going back and forth with real people and trying to understand what it really was that made them stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, of course, we do a lot of what people these days call A-B testing. We may offer a newsletter or a version of our show, literally of an episode of our podcast. We may offer them in different forms and see which ones 
have higher completion rates, higher share rates, higher comment rates, uh, uh, et cetera. What have you found drives most of your engagement? Is it, is it breaking news headlines that you interpret? Yeah. Um, no, I think for us, um, it's funny. It's kind of the same thing. One of the senior marketing execs, um, I've heard two things which I kind of think of as similar. Um, uh, one woman, a woman named Liz, in one of these surveys I'm talking about, I'm thinking about it's fresh because we just talked to her state of Washington. She said, we said, how do you describe Ozzy to your friends? She said, Ozzy is what smart people read to be cool. It's what cool people read to be smart, right? So I think Ozzy's kind of this beautiful gem that there's a million places you can go for the headlines, right? That's kind of a commodity. That's not special. But if you want a little magic in your life, if you want to discover interesting people or trends or ideas, I think that's what Ozzy's for. And um, one of the uh, advertising execs uh, in Hollywood, we were asking him, uh, we were doing a survey with him, kind of like we do with our, our audience. And we said, well, like, how do you decide which of your movies you use Ozzy for? And he's like, well, I don't really need Ozzy for Wonder Woman because honestly, if you can't sell Wonder Woman, you can't sell anything. <laughs> then he had a great phrase, Cynthia. He says, Ozzy is when marketing is not enough. I really like, he's like, Ozzy is when I have something special and I really want people to not just pay attention, but to love it and to go there and to share it. And I like that idea. What is your average, you know, monthly user base or reach? Yeah. So we now are reaching north of 60 million people every month um, across the various platforms, digital, watching TV shows, podcasts, um, no live events at the moment. Um, but, um, and that will probably grow. I think you know that we just announced today we have a new global radio show with the BBC. So their first big launch in a year or two, it'll go to 97 million listeners. So it's a lot of people. So we'll be That's reaching a pretty, good <laughs> That's pretty good footprint. Pretty good footprint. You know, it tends to be, I would say, um, people kind of in their disproportionately, not only uh, 20s, 30s, 40s. Um, um, I think a lot of trendsetters and tastemakers, I think, whether they're well-known or not, but the kinds of people who, who find themselves interested in the next cool thing in food or the next interesting thing in medicine or they're curious about meeting a different kind of comedian, that like Ozzy is good for that person, I think. And um, and we're, we've seen a really nice pickup in the number of people who, who enjoy not just one, but multiple parts of Ozzy. So they may have come in through a podcast like The Thread or Flashback or Ozzy Confidential, but now they may get our morning newsletter called Whiskey in Your Coffee. Or they may have come in one of our TV shows like Defining Moments on Hulu, but then they may have realized, oh, I didn't know that... Uh, uh, that these guys also have a new YouTube show, the Carlos Watson show. And like, I think I would like that too. And so it's been nice that we're starting to see, I would say probably about half of our audience, as best we can tell Cynthia, consumes more than one uh, Aussie offering, which, uh, which, is, which is terrific. I think the common benchmark would be more like 15%. So it's kind of 3x what you would expect to see. What in your professional background prior to, Aussie, to launching Aussie Media, what would you say best prepared you for the job of being the entrepreneur and the leader of a startup venture? Now that when you look back, what, what do you think were some of the important skills that, that you brought to the table when, when the time came to launch Aussie Media? Well, interesting. Well, 
you know, this is not professional, although I do have professional stuff that recommends it. So at the highest level, I'd spent lots of time in business. I'd worked at Goldman Sachs. I'd worked at McKinsey and Company. I'd even started and built and sold a successful startup to the Washington Post. So I'd had that. And I'd worked in media. I hosted shows at CNBC, at CNN, at MSNBC. So I kind of knew that space in that way. And so Ozzy as a media startup kind of blended both business experience and media to create that. But really, in many ways, if I'm 100% honest, I think that there have been other things, Cynthia, that have prepared me maybe even better. Um, I'm the brother of three sisters. And um, I always say uh, that taught me uh, two things, how to compromise and how to surrender gracefully. And so... Uh, <laughs> So I, uh, I have three wonderful sisters and I learned a lot from them and um, they, yeah, they definitely were going to challenge me. For example, in sports, I loved football, but I was the only one in the house besides my dad that did. And we only had one TV growing up. And so when the playoffs would come, I would ask my sister, I was like, please, please, please. I want to watch you use the playoffs. And they were like, no way. You said it was the playoffs last week. And so, they weren't fans, so they had no idea the plan was going on for weeks, and they thought I was trying to pull the wool over that. So I had to start negotiating. I was like, look, I'll wash dishes twice for you, and you can have my lunch if you let me watch this, but I got to watch it. Please, please, please. So I think having, um, having those smart, challenging uh, sisters uh, probably, uh, I hope, made me think a lot about group dynamics, made me think a lot about what your partners need and not just what you want. Um, um, I think, you know, also the first experience I had as an entrepreneur, Cynthia helped a lot because I started with my sister and a good friend and early on, we were young, we were in our twenties and early on, uh, something my mom, uh, uh, would call sometimes and she would call you, how are you, blah, 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 you know, what do you have to blah, blah. And then out of any, she'd say, how's your sister? I'd say, good. And then about two minutes later, she says, how's your sister? It's good. About five minutes later, she would say, you know, I think it's really important to be nice to people. <laughs> I would say, I agree. <laughs> and I'd say, anyone in particular you're thinking about? Said, well, she just said, you know, I think older brothers should always be nice to their sisters and blah, blah, blah. So she clearly was sending me a message. Uh, and uh, Somebody had been complaining to mom. <laughs> somebody had to say so. But, but you know what? But it was really good because we, we toughed it out. So it was not easy. We were three young folks in our 20s. As I said, we didn't come from a wealthy background at all. We lived in one apartment. We shared one bank account at Wells Fargo. Helen, if you're listening at Wells Fargo, <laughs> used to help me out, trying to make sure we made payroll and made rent. Still appreciate you. I still remember you on Hamilton Ave. And um, and but but you know, but we believed in each other, and we you know we pushed each other, and you know that company grew to several hundred people from three to three hundred. We worked across half the states in the nation. And, and what what was the business? It was called Achieva. It was an education company. It was kind of a college prep company. We helped high schools prepare their kids for college because you probably know that lots of high schools have one counselor for 3,000 students. And as a result, lots of our kids don't get to college. And so we prepared software in those days, books and workshops to help them help more kids, not just the SAT, but what college should I go to? How will I pay for it? What are these essays they want from me? You know, who should I ask for a letter of recommendation? And so it was. It was, it was both a good business, but it was something I was really proud of. And so we sold it to the Washington Post, which owned Kaplan at that time. It's been terrific talking to you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, I, uh, I so appreciate what you do, and I appreciate you 
getting to know our story and um, and we love what we do. So I hope we'll have have a chance to uh, to be a big part of uh, of reporting and storytelling for a long time to come. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners. And be sure to tune in next week when my guest will be Netflix co-CEO and chief content officer, Ted Sarandos. <laughs>